Welcome to Six Pack Discussions, where Cody and Jared take on the biggest, most talked about headlines with logic, passion, and a six pack of beer. If you're listening, we challenge you to take an unbiased view of the world, as we know these conversations are complicated. So sit down, crack a beer, and welcome a new perspective. Okay, guys, just started with a new episode from Six Pack Discussions here. Jared and Cody cracking open our first beer. Uh, Jared, what are we drinking, man? I picked this out, but uh, you can introduce it. Today we're picking, I'm sorry, we're drinking 10 Barrel Brewing Company's Crush Raspberry Sour. Ooh, and it is sour. Like, it actually, like, has, like, that back of the tongue. Like, wherever your sour taste buds are, it kicks your butt. I'm not giving any foreshadowing on what I'm going to rate this. No, 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 no. We'll talk about it in 20 minutes. Today, we are talking about the four-day work week. Yep. Making a lot of news, I would say, in the last couple of years, probably since COVID. Yep, I was just about to say, that's probably been the... uh, the real catalyst, if you will, in this entire conversation. 100%. And just for clarification purposes, I thought maybe we define it a little bit because I know it sounds it sounds simple, right? Four-day work week. Yep. But what we're not talking about is a four-day work week where like firefighters and nurses currently do, where they have a compressed schedule, mm-hmm. right? Where they normally work three or four days, but it may be like 10 to 12-hour shifts a day. We're actually talking about a complete decrease in hours working for full-time employees. So really in America, a full-time employee is normally around 40 hours. Correct. We're going to, we're saying, let's decrease that by essentially eight hours to about a 32 hour work week, which would be a four day work week. Mm -hmm. So not compressing of schedules, but actually decreasing the amount of hours uh, worked. Um, And the only other thing I'll add, and then maybe you can kind of jump in. um, I think the overall goal with this idea, right? This mentality is, hey, if workers can uh, provide the same levels of productivity and output for the company, in 20% less time, thus being more productive, really, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for this 100% of the same pay that they're currently earning. Mm-hmm. So work 32 hours, provide 40 hours of work, and you get 40 hours of pay. Mm-hmm. Kind of an interesting concept. Yeah, no, well well said. Um, if it's okay with you, I'd actually rather, rather than starting at the four-day work week, I want to actually almost talk about how, how this normalization of five days, 40 hours, you know, kind of with the step back before that. And then of course, before that. Yeah. So in the 1800s, you know, in that industrial revolution timeframe, it was very common or it was not uncommon for these factory workers to work 80, 90, hundred hour weeks. Oftentimes that, that was, that's not even eyebrow raising. Yeah. I saw the average, I saw hundred hours. If you did hundred hours and I, I know Sundays were always kind of the day of God. So you normally didn't work on Sundays, but six day work weeks, If you did 100 hours divided by six, it's 16 hours. Yeah. So 16-hour day, that's double the current day. How how, how much time do you get to sleep there in a 16-hour day? You would probably only get to sleep whenever... No, whenever you... Are you just not commuting? Just teleporting? You're probably not driving. Exactly. So it's even further. (laughs) You're walking. You know what I mean? Like... So... And then what about eating, Right. So, I mean, we're probably only talking, you're sleeping, I would say, five hours. Mm-hmm. Very minimal. Now, I would say that's probably the extreme. What do you think? It, it was. It okay. was. Um, okay, so that was that was it. And then, ironically enough, as last week's episode was alluding to, labor unions, they were saying, hey, they're really fighting for workers' rights. Yep. Right? Um, and then, Mr. Henry Ford in 1926. Six? Yeah, 1926. He was the one that normalized saying, hey, um, instead of the six-day work week, 
we're going to take it from 48 hours to a 40 day, 40 hour work week, five days, five days. And then actually shortly thereafter, uh, Congress passed, I believe the fair labor act. Was that it to where it, it was a mandatory pay? I'm sorry, mandatory overtime pay for anyone working over 44 hours. And then I believe two or three years later that actually got uh, ratified and um, I'm sorry, ratified, but uh, adjusted for 40 hours. Um, so that really only applies to the hourly employees, right? So what do you think about? It's kind of weird. I, I couldn't really figure anything about the salary thing. This idea of a salaried employee working less, right? It's almost having to be more so results focused rather than time card focused, right? I mean, that's kind of the whole premise because, you know, the whole idea behind implementing a 40 hour work week or a hundred hour work week, it's about your production. You know, it's about your productivity level. It's about what you're adding value to the company. Yeah, or production, you know, output, really. Um, and so I can imagine Henry Ford's time, right? You're looking at 1926, like you mentioned. Like, you're on the assembly line in Detroit, and you are working for 40 hours a week. You're you're doing something. You're building a widget. You're making a weld. You're making paint. You're painting. You're doing something the entire time. Mm-hmm. I think as jobs have become a bit more less labor intensive and more clerical in nature, um, you know, more office savvy jobs. We've kind of moved to there's a salary type of mentality, which is interesting. Did you, did you get come across anything that kind of said, Hey, this is why we're doing salary instead of hourly work. Like, no, I actually didn't come across. You know that. what I'm trying to say? Like why, why are, why are some jobs like more office jobs, salary based? So I do know it's, it's more of a, um, Kind of like, I don't want to be mean, but it's almost like the skill, right? No, no, hundred percent low skill, uh, high know, skill. I believe it's, man. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to reread the article in my head, if you will. But I believe it's seventy um, percent of the workforce that's salary. I'm sorry, that's hourly is thirty and younger, right? So it's these people that are still really getting into the workforce, still defining and refining, if you will, their skill set. And then once they become skilled, they move into a salary or a managerial type of role, almost. Um, so you know what's really interesting is this whole concept of whether it's the 48 hour or 40 hour work week, you know, regardless if we're talking the 1800s or 1926, whenever the five day work week happened, this was really rooted. And, and of course, you know, this is, I, I believe this is a fact, but you know, if your research differed, um, let me know, but this is almost rooted in industrial type environments, right? 100%. This, these are environments where I am making a widget. I am assembling something. I physically need to be there in order to work and to be productive and add value to my company. Yeah. So a lot of the research that I was that I was reviewing here was talking about how the evolvement of technology, of jobs, et cetera, has allowed us to work outside of the office. I mean, prime example, it is, you know, 6, 17 p.m., and I've literally just seen on my watch, I've gotten two work emails. And at the conclusion of this podcast, there's about a 100% chance I will at least read them. And if it's client facing, I will respond to them. Yeah. Right. So did you come across the on average time that a salaried employee actually spends on work outside of normalized work hours? I saw the average American spends 44 hours. Ooh, okay. Interesting. So what's well, the average? So of work I hours. saw that we spend on average about seven hours per week outside of the normal working hours. So Pretty close, close. yeah, yeah. yeah. Within, within a rounding error. Well, I bet you anything, um, if you also look at um, 
time in office, it might be below 40. Yeah. And so that actually makes sense because maybe you, you actually are in the office for 38. You're at, you're at seven hours yep, out, yep. out of office. Um, dang. So seven hours, if you have an, a normal office job, seven hours of working time outside of the office. 80% of salaried employees will check their email while they're still in bed. Yeah, you know, I, I do that in the morning, so I, I don't, it's interesting what I do is, I and I don't know if it's good or bad, but um, in the morning, one of the first things that I usually do is I'll go through all the emails and I'll delete everything that is irrelevant for my day. So I can prioritize like, the emails. Now, that personal or work email are you talking? Personal or per, both. both okay. Things. Yeah. So any personal emails would be like, you know, thanks for the house and family stuff, bills and stuff like that. I just delete all the stuff that's irrelevant. Delete the bills. I love it. Yeah. Bold strategy. 100%. Um, <laughs> If they need me, they can find me where they have the address. Exactly. Um, and then for work stuff, I delete those as, as well, irrelevant stuff that I can already tell is irrelevant just based on you know whether it's spam or if I'm not part of that conversation. And so that's my, you know, but I'm not going through and reading them all right there. I just, I don't think it's very helpful in the morning. No, I agree. I mean, it's basically one of those things where I just do a, almost a triage. Yeah. Right. Because with, you know, with Cody and I's professions uh, specifically, you know, we have clients on the East Coast. In Arizona, that's either two or three hours in front of us. So by the time we wake up at, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning here, it's seven or eight o'clock their time, right? So they've already kind of started their day. So I almost do like a a pseudo triage, if you will, like Mm -hmm. saying again, if it's client, if a client's pissed off, 100% chance I am responding right there in bed in my underwear. I don't care. Yeah. Bleeders get uh, preference over the uh, broken bones. Yep. Kind of idea. Exactly. Um, But interesting stat, seven hours outside of the workday. That's a a good amount. No kidding. And I actually have a couple things uh, talking about how healthy that is um, for workers. And so we'll get into that a little bit. Um, Do I love that you did? Because I didn't actually go into the history at all. So I'm glad the only thing I had was the Ford Motor Company. That's why I was. I knew. Man, that's rare. Usually you do. Uh, you're yeah. kind of a history guy. Where I was really got into that. Um, I would kind of get into the. I went into the history of the four day work week. Where did that actually kind of get its growth? Where did it kind of become? In the 70s, correct? Um, well, actually, no. Maybe there was some. Maybe you have some details here. But really, in the last 10 years, a group called the Four Day Work Week Global. That's what their company's called. Um, they have been kind of what they call driving the change across the world, promoting and facilitating the idea with companies and governments alike. So what they'll do is they'll do, they'll go into a government like New Zealand, Australia, Canada, UK, and they will kind of um, provide all the documents, provide all of the criteria and provide all of the feedback surveys. Uh, of course, for a fee of some sort to promote and, and kind of also facilitate the results of those. So let's say a government agency wants to do this. Uh, a couple of fortune 500 companies will want to do this. They will help them do this. And so during the trials, what they'll try to do is, is they, what they call a hundred eighty hundred model, hundred percent of the pay for 80% of the time in exchange for a commitment for maintaining at least a hundred percent productivity. Right. Same thing as I said, is the goal earlier, but they call it the hundred eighty hundred model. Um, They've done this in lots of different countries at this point. Ireland, the U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Belgium, uh, Germany. Uh, many countries have tried to do this, right, with them. Um, what I kind of wanted to dig into is the, the one that had the longest amount of time was actually Iceland. From 2015 to 2019, for four years, uh, they moved a, uh, to a 35-hour work week cut down from 30 or from 40. So really five 
hours less. That's not actually much in my perspective. Like that's what an hour less a day. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't feel like a lot less. And now when you look at the numbers, this is the only thing that's a little skeptical to me. It's only 2,500 people, mm. 2,500 people, 2,500 employees. Literally that could be like a large company. In the I'll US. say, yeah. One company. Um, Iceland's just small as a country, like their population is fairly small. So that's kind of challenging, uh, to, to build a, I guess a whole different type of model over. Um, let's see, uh, after the study and during the study, they found that about 90% of the working population now has reduced hours or accommodations, um, to allow for more flexible pay. So in Iceland, they essentially tout that as their most, their most successful case study at this point in time. Now, in Sweden, um, it's met with mixed results. Uh, this company tried to do this in Sweden. They tried to install a 40-day work week um, specifically with their uh, hospitals and medical groups. And um, in 2015, when they tried it, it was met with kind of mixed results. What they found is, is that uh, the orthopedic nurses and surgeons in the hospital and university hospital systems, when they switched uh, 80 nurses and doctors over to a six-hour workday, Right, instead of eight hours. Yeah, I saw this one. You did. Mm-hmm. Um, the what they had to do is they had to hire additional staff to make up for the lost time and producti- productivity. So, what that tells me is that there was an overall reduction in production per employee if you have to uh, hire additional staff. Mm-hmm. So, if you were receiving a hundred percent productivity, let's say that's your baseline last mm-hmm. year. And you reduce everyone to 80% work pay and you have to hire or gap fill. Um, Hiring one additional person, just one. Does that mean that the hospital or the company has to pay more or less than last year for the same amount of productivity? More. So in that case, you're actually losing money if you switch to this model. Mm -hmm. Now, hold on. And, and as you can imagine, as I'm sure you did as well, you kind of read your fair share of studies, I'm sure. So if I'm, if I'm bleeding over or maybe mixing a couple, please correct me. Yeah. Did that study not also show the reduction in sick time taken? Yeah. So now we have to factor in that. But you still pay for sick time. You might. I mean, it's not like you pay out at the end of the year. Yeah, but you, so me, me or you right now took a mm-hmm. sick day tomorrow. Yep. You get paid salary for that day. So there's no difference. Whether yeah, but, you show up but, or not. but in nursing, correct me if I'm wrong, but let's say I'm nurse Jared and you're nurse Cody. If you call in out sick, I'm sorry, you call out sick and I have to take over your shift. I am actually getting time and a half because I'm overtime for taking your shift. Oh, I, I don't know uh, actually how that works. That was nursing. the logic I used. And I was like, okay, so if it is a reduction in vacation time, reduction in sick time. Yeah. Okay. Now I can actually see some of the efficiencies. No, hundred percent. And I'll go through some of those. I do think that does probably happen. In the Sweden study, though, I think it was actually a net negative. Mm. They they stated in, in a cost perspective, and they actually reverted back. Um, and, and Sweden pretty much just stated it's a failure at this point. Um, Japan, uh, Microsoft, I don't know if you remember, this was recent in 2019, right before COVID. Um, uh, would we all know, Japan is kind of known for a very ruthless working environment. Uh, oftentimes, very long hours. And uh, oftentimes employees fall uh, very ill to excessive work and even become uh, suicidal. It's kind of common in their, uh, I guess, culture almost. I I mean, it's not uncommon for these skyscrapers to have suicide nets. That's in China. 
Oh, I thought that was Japan. Maybe Japan too, okay. but China for sure does have okay. that. Um, so what they found though is, is Microsoft, they went ahead and, and did a, uh, a four day work week and three day weekends. They tried it for a month. So 30 days. Yep. Uh, the move boosted productivity by 40%. They found in that month. Now, here's my question to that. If true, why stop at 30 days? Because mm-hmm. 40% is massive. Wait, I, I would have taken 4%. Exactly. 40% is like game-shifting different. It's, it's absolutely huge. So why would they go back to 30 days and they never went back to that since then? So I'm just wondering like what would be the reason? And I had to do a little digging. I found out why. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But there's a lot of... Um, Unintended consequences to doing a four-day work week in good and positive ways. And we'll talk about some of those, I think, in a little bit here. Uh, The last thing I wanted to go over, and then maybe you want to go through some of your stuff here. Uh, Which country has the lowest amount of working hours per week? Oh, it's got to be one of those Nordic countries. It's very close. Not Nordic, though. I'm going to go France, then. Nope. The Netherlands. Oh. The Netherlands, Amsterdam, right? Yeah. Um, 32 hours is average there. Mm-hmm. So kind of the goal here or goal in the four-day work week. Um, but when you do a little bit more digging and you like, like the 32 average, it's funny. So 32 is the average. What is the difference between males and females in the Netherlands? I'm going to say males are average of... This is embarrassing, the math. I'm going to say average males going to be 40. And then the average female is going to be 24. You are spot on with the female, 25. Okay. The male is lower, it's 34. So you're, you kind of split, I, I don't know how. How the hell does that math work out? I just try to do plus and minus eight. Well, the, I'm guessing there must be a uh, disproportionate amount of one side of the population. Oh, in the, wor- uh, in the workforce right, potentially. in the workforce, okay. yeah. But it's still, um, 34 hours is not a far cry. I don't think from 40. Like, it, it is a shift, but it's mm-hmm. not that many less hours. Um, 25, though, is not that much at all. Like, that's a part-time job, I think, for most mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to kind of, just because we recently talked about uh, gender differences in pay. Mm-hmm. And in, in the Netherlands, that would make a lot of sense. That's 10-hour differences. Oh, yeah. Right? So yeah. the average woman, average male in the Netherlands, you're going to receive 30 to 40% less pay if you're working 10 less hours. Yeah. Yeah. So you're working less. Exactly. So just kind of a little shout out to a a previous episode. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Um, you know, really not, not much more to add, I guess. I I think you really hit the nail on the head, you know, both the, you're right. Both pros and cons. Actually, before I go in, you're about to crack your second beer. You want to do a quick rating? Let's do it. All right. So guys, again, drinking 10 barrel brewing co crush raspberry sour. Um, I was at the uh, grocery store this last weekend picking up groceries for the family, and uh, this one caught my can, uh, or sorry, caught my eye. I kind of like it. I think we've done a Tim Barrel Brewing Co. Uh, crush. We did a, I believe, cucumber cucumber sour in the I past. I do remember that, yep. And uh, I believe me and Jared both liked that from, from we, memory. We did. Um, this is, I think, completely different from, from what I remember that one being. That one's a little more refreshing. This one's a little bit more of a punch in the face. Yep. This uh, one, if you're a sour guy... You're a, you love this beer. This is a 6.5 alcohol per volume uh, on the can here. It says uh, drink beer outside. Love the motto there from 10 barrel brewing co. 
Um, I like sours. Uh, this one's definitely, like I said, a punch in the face. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go 3 2. 3 2. Okay. So I think it's a little above average. I think it's kind of creative tasting. All right, yeah. guys. Um, before we started recording, uh, we were actually kind of making fun of ourselves because over the last almost 400 beers now, recorded beers, I guess, <laughs> our taste buds have actually shifted. Uh, guys, believe it or not, it was Cody's turn. It was Cody's turn to uh, to pick the beers this time, and he gave me an option. He goes, "Hey, Jared, do you want to have the the crushed raspberry sour?" Or do you want to have the IPA? And for whatever reason, I was driving over here, and I was just, ironically craving. enough, craving a sour. I was like, you know what? That's perfect. Done. And then Cody was almost, you were put off by that. I would say that's a, a fair yeah. take. You, yeah. I was like, it's okay, almost like on. you were like either assuming or wanting me to pick the IPA. No, I just assumed it was actually, like I was going to, I could answer for you in probably 99% of most things. Yep. And I would have guessed wrong there. So anyways, um, it was kind of funny because as you guys have noticed, or if you're keeping track of some of our beer scores, Cody scores those IPAs. He He's not light on them, <laughs> right? So anyways, and then with me obviously picking the sour, so we made the fun joke that um, if anything has come from this podcast, it's that we've actually evolved our beer. Yeah, Or taste. refined beer taste. So with that, um, I'm going to score this beer. And I'm going to score it an honest 1.8. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah wow did not hit the nail on the head so i thought i was turning into a sour guy until you took that sip because you know i've had that pickle one yeah. and i've had the cucumber crush and i've had a couple of your um the modern times one yeah which i think are delicious no guys i i wish you could have seen my face the first sip i'm so glad that cody took the intro today because i probably wouldn't be able to get to it <laughs> yeah, one eight. This like there's a taste in your mouth, like that sour taste. Like yep. it definitely is. Uh, I would say sour beer is a unique flavor it leaves in your mouth. Let's go with unique. Yeah. Okay. Certain. certain okay. So certain. one eight three two. You got a pretty big split there than normal. Yeah, that's that's actually really strange. I feel like yeah. we're always usually within point five. I don't mind it. I, I like sours though, so maybe that's why. But man, I thought I thought I was evolving, but clearly I'm just. Uh, I'm just not. So, oh, go ahead. now that we're going back in the, the conversation. I was going to ask you, did you do oh. any research on like the science portion of this or anything like that? The psychology of it yeah, a little yeah, bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. So, so a little bit. Um, I, by no means what I, what I try to, you know, tout me as, you know, Mr. Uh, Dr. Psychologist Jones, I guess. Yeah. But I was going to call you um, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's really interesting, you know, because let's go back to 1926 and, uh, you know, Mr. Henry Ford says, you know what? I'm going to change from six, six day work week to five day work week. Mm-hmm. And he's actually, uh, on this episode, on this episode, uh, one of the articles I was reading about that, did you know he started thinking about like having an inkling that he wanted to do that in 1916? Yeah. So for 10 years, he kind of molded over, which is, which is interesting. And didn't productivity actually rise? Yep. Cut hours, but yet productivity actually rose. So here's what's interesting. So let's say I'm uh, I'm Jared Jones. Uh, I'm I'm you know Jared Jones here. I am the founder and CEO of Jones Incorporated, and we make um, we make couches, right? 
So if I have five employees, and let's say I'm just incredibly good at hiring, I'm the luckiest person in the world, and these guys can make, you know, each can make a couch a day. Oh, wow. I mean, they're great. So you got five couches. I I got five Amish people that just knock these suckers out. They're great. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, I actually need six couches a day. And just so you guys know, Amish people really are good at making furniture. Oh, the, the hardest workers in the world. Probably yeah, well, they make they know how to make hand, furniture, hand yeah. handmade furniture. Yeah, for anybody not knowing that. Thank you for clarifying. And then what I think we do is like, man, if they can do this in an eight-hour day, I wonder if I can't maybe do six six days a week. Now I get now I get thirty cou- or thirty-six couches or. Five workers. Yeah, 30 couches, I'm sorry. And then I'm going to add that sixth one, and then I get 36 couches. So I think as these business owners, they just say, hey, if I just wait, make them work more, and I just keep on adding numbers, I'm, I'm, treating, I'm treating, me, treating workers as a commodity, almost. Yeah, now in that case, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be the same amount of cost just to hire one worker, though? So if you have five people, couldn't you just hire one more person? The cost would be very similar, if not the same. Or I could just make them work another day. Now I'm now I'm doing six day. You got to pay him another day though, right? Another hourly. Yeah, but then I add someone else. So sometimes I'm getting that exponential growth. So I get my okay six people making them work six days a week. Yeah, seven people six days a week. You know, I'm just I'm just continuing to grow. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to illustrate how I feel like oftentimes that people are just thinking of of the workforce as a commodity, right? They're just thinking as a number. Very graphically, like almost like very linear, almost. Yes, exactly. In, In sales, in sales, prime example. Oh, I got these two rock stars. They do $3 million a year for me. Oh, if I had a third, clearly that's going to be $9 million. If I had a fourth, that's $12 million. Right? They just think Linear. very linearly. Yeah. Right? And whenever you start grouping people as a whole, yes, but whenever you start talking about these smaller companies, that's just not the case. So I think what happened is, you know, the psychology of it is these business owners, because in order to have a successful business, you do have to work 16-hour days. At the beer, at the very beginning, as the owner, yeah, like as the founding loan member of your business, yeah. you're your marketing, you're your sales, you're your fulfillment, oh, yeah. <laughs> right, and everything. Accounting, in between. yeah, everything. Accounting, else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you, you work your ass off, but you're almost innately wired. Like you're a different breed to to start your own company and have it be successful over over years. Mm-hmm. You're a different breed. You, it's the eighty twenty rule, hundred percent, right? And and honestly, even of that twenty percent, it's probably. 80, 20 of that 20%, right? Uh, yeah, I would I would say they're 1% of the 20%. But yeah. So anyways, what, what they think is they don't realize just how special they are. So they just say, oh yeah, if I, if I make everyone work more or if I give less holidays, then I get more out of them. Yeah. So it's interesting, the psychology of it. Whenever you start seeing like, hey, I instituted a four-day work week, so I decreased my work time 20%, but yet I actually saw a 10% Ten percent uptick in productivity. So that's interesting. Whenever it's just very counterintuitive. Wait, they work less, but they produce more, and that's where it's this whole phenomenon. And that's why I was trying to, you know, give a little prelude earlier. Being results driven versus time card driven. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think a lot of people, and this is probably what happened with the salaries. Some jobs probably started shifting towards, hey, we're going to give you a task, and you need to complete it. And because there's probably some people that kind of, it's a hard, it's a bad word to say, but kind of milk the time card situation. Um, you know, if I give, you know, Jared, let's say 
hey, I need a whole dog in my backyard. Mm -hmm. I'll give you 50 bucks. And you say, yeah, I'll do that. And then I walk over to another guy named John. And I say, hey, John, I'll give you 10 bucks an hour. Is he going to work for five hours or maybe six? Six. Exactly. He makes 60 bucks. Or maybe he might do it in eight hours. Right. And so I think that's kind of the di- the difference there is between a salary employee. You're essentially saying, hey, do the work in the in maybe a shorter period of time. But what kind of happened is there's this 40 hour work week. Um, what would you call that? A stigma almost that came phenomenon, along with phenomenon. Yeah. Stigma. It was like, hey, if you're salary, you're going to work 40 hours. But really, if you could do the salary work that you got hired for in five hours, why wouldn't I want to hire you? And I have two kind of examples of this that I wanted to bring up. And I love your first one here. Are you going to give the personal example for you? No, maybe. I don't know. But I'm going to give you two of them. (laughs) One of them is. We'll really test who listens to this at work. Maybe maybe I don't know what you're trying to reference here. You can remind me and I'll tell that story too if you want. The first one (laughs) is um, what you were just talking about with Henry Ford. Mm -hmm. He, He found out, you know what, I wonder if I can increase productivity by increasing the amount of free time and family time that I'm going to give my workers by reducing the workload. And he did. And I think this is something that a lot of people don't realize, but there's this thing called, I I don't know the exact name of the curve, but it's a curve based on taxation of the population. And so if you take a population of people and the government gets to tax their income, which there's the Lazarus curve, I think maybe it's called. It is the Lazarus, but you're also looking for the equilibrium point. Exactly. Right. So it's the Lazarus curve. It's funny that that just came to memory as I'm speaking this because I did not remember that. So in the Lazarus curve, what it states in the in an economics or macroeconomics level, it states that let's say we have a hundred individuals in my my population. This would be the entire United States. If I tax or levy a tax on everybody at a hundred percent, how many? of those 100 people would work at 100% taxation, meaning every single hour that you work, 100% of your wage goes to the government. How many people would work, Jared? Zero. Okay. Now, if I levy it at 0%, how much money would the government have to pay for benefits and programs and roads and all that? Zero. Perfect. So we now know that the Lazarus Curve, the equilibrium point is somewhere between zero and 100. And unfortunately... (laughs) No one knows exactly where the perfect point is, right? This is essentially your taxation rate. So everybody, you know, kind of has different amounts. In America, we have a progressive curve where they essentially think, hey, the more money you make, um, we think that your equilibrium point is actually a little higher. You're going to pay upwards of 30 to 40% of your income to the government. And if you're at a lower end, you're going to have a generally accepted rate of around 10 to 15%, right? But we all know that at a certain point, people break. If if the government came out and said, oh, we're going to tax everybody at 80%, you'd probably see a decrease in work, mm-hmm. right? Because you're going to be like, oh, well, if I only have to work, you know, 10 hours and I still get all these freebies from the government because you're taxing me more, I'm going to work less time. So I think the same idea kind of in kind of persist within the work hour week. We kind of talked about this a minute ago, or, or sorry, last week when we kind of said, hey, we're going to do work week. There's only so many hours in a day or so many hours in a, in a week mm-hmm. that you can you know ask a worker to work. What is the perfect amount? And I think there might be a Lazarus curve almost to that. Is it 32 hours? Is it 40 hours? Maybe it's 50 hours. Henry Ford thought it was less than 48, right? Because 48 is five day, or six days. And he put it at 40. Maybe the magic number is 42. <coughs> Maybe the magic number is 32. 
Maybe it's 20. That magic number is the max amount of effort for that much time. What do you think about that kind of example or, or I guess metaphor towards taxes? Pretty no, interesting, right? No, I, th- I think it's a beautiful metaphor, beautiful analogy, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, and, and honestly, it's it's highly applicable. I think so. Well, uh, money, money, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's really interesting, man. The whole idea, the whole concept, the whole idea of, 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 of working is, is, is so interesting to interpretation because very few American workers, at least, <clears throat> very few American workers are essentially responsible for making a widget, right? So it's so damn hard to truly quantify productivity. Yeah, because our manufacturing jobs are probably less than 5% of American jobs. So that's, back that's in, back in, widget, back in, right? yeah, exactly. Back in Henry Ford, if he was, guys, and I'm, I'm using clearly wrong numbers. Let's say he was producing 100 cars a day in uh-huh. 1926. Yeah. And then 1926, he decided, or 1925, I'm sorry. 1926, he institutes rather than six-day work week, goes to five-day work week, and now he's making 105 cars or 110 cars, whatever it is a day. 5% increase. Yep. So that's easily measurable, easily quantifiable. Duh. Yeah, a manufacturing but, economy but, makes easy, easy but, sense. But you... Okay, let's say you sell a million dollars worth of stuff and then all of a sudden you take it to a four-day work week and let's say you make a $2 million in, in sales. Yeah. Well, was it because you worked four days or is it because of the right opportunity, the right client? It, it's so difficult in today's world. I don't really know how we can truly compare apples to apples from 1926 to 2022. Yeah, and this is something that I looked into a while That's back. why I struggle. 100%. As our economies have shifted from agricultural based to a what they call manufacturing based or industrial based economy to now what we are in a service based economy, mm-hmm. right? Which is right now. So, service based economy means that most of the things that we are providing are not widgets, they're actually services, mm-hmm. right? Netflix as a service, right? Um, you know, renting a home that's a service, which is weird to think about. Lawyers, lawyers, service. Doctors, service, right? A lot of things that we purchase are almost services. You know, yeah, we do still buy a lot of widgets. But from Americans, we really only buy services. Mm-hmm. Uh, widgets are produced in China and other countries. My other uh, quick little uh, analogy for you, and I think you'll like this one even better, because the other one is more of just kind of like a look at it from an outside perspective. But this one's interesting. Look at salary employees, and I still don't know really where I'm going to sit on this one. Maybe you're going to convince me one way or another, but... I was, I think I've told you this story is that there's a story about a locksmith. Have I ever told you about the story of the locksmith? I don't think so, man. Okay. So locksmith um, gets called by this gentleman. He's like, hey, Mr. Locksmith, um, saw that you're Acme locksmith. I need you to come down and, and uh, you know, undo my car, lock my keys in my car. Locksmith comes down and, you know, he brings his tools out. He's fairly new. He's only been doing this for like six months to a year. He unlocks the car. It takes him about 40 minutes, almost an hour to get the car unlocked. But he unlocks it. The guy's like, oh, thank you so much. Really appreciate the job. I'm going to head to the work. The guy goes, hey, here's my invoice. And he charges him, you know, 250 bucks. The guy's like, more than happy to pay for it. Because that was a very, you know, very good job. Nothing was broken. No glass. Great. Five years later, wife locks the keys in the same car. The guy's like, oh, no worries, man. I got this guy's business card. Acme locksmith. I'm going to call him up. 
locksmith shows back up, exact same locksmith. Now, remember, five years later, meaning that he's now gained five years of experience. He shows up and says, oh, man, you locked the car, the keys in the same Toyota Corolla again? Yeah, yeah, can you mind? Yeah, no problem. Boom, boom. He unlocks the car within two minutes. Mm-hmm. Hands a man an invoice for $250. Man says, dude, that's a ripoff. What are you talking about? That only took you two minutes. He's like, yeah, but it's the same car. I did the same service. I just did it faster. I actually gave you back 58 minutes compared to what I did last time. I actually should charge you more than what I did, but I'm charging you still 250. What's the moral of the story there? You're paying for the service, not the exact task. The hour. Yeah. You're not paying for the hours worked. And so- You're paying for those years of experience. You're paying for experience. But the, also the moral of the story, yeah, 100%. But I think there's another moral of the story talking about the four-day work week, talking about hours worked, right? Is does an hour work, does it always equate to the same thing for everybody? No, I mean, how many coworkers do you have or do I have that, let's call it what it is, dick around for four of their eight hours in the office? 100%. And I, hey, I'll raise my hand for two of those hours because I know I dick around a lot too. Oh yeah, I'm not doing wrong. I am yeah. no better. Yeah, doing wrong. There, there, are, there are days, there are weeks, there are months, whatever that you have to buckle down. Oh yeah, but don't get me wrong. I screw off. I will go. Oh, I haven't talked to Chris in a while. Oh, I haven't talked to Bob in a while. Yeah, you, you what you call is rapport building, rapport and I do building. a lot of rapport building, right? And I like, I enjoy that. There are there are days where I will spend eight hours and not talk to anybody. And then there's a day where I'll spend two hours, like I said, dicking around. Mm-hmm. But then there's people that will dick around four hours, five days a week, 365. Yes. And that is where you get a little bit less productivity. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so that's what I was trying to do with my kind of story there is with the locks. Is that with salary-based employees, you're essentially paying for a service. Now, does it matter if it takes them two minutes or 58 minutes? And we're getting kind of to maybe our opinions here. So so that's where I I tried. I tried really difficult to not think of this from a sales perspective. Yeah. And I struggled. I struggled hard. Because I'm trying to think it about it from designers, from construction workers, from uh, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah, there's a lot of tasks in from developers, from yeah. Accounting, all, all these things. Because I know, you know, the sexy thing right now for, for companies is unlimited PTO and, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That no one uses. Do you know how freaking annoyed I would be? Let's say, let's say I'm a uh, chief technology officer and I have a team of developers that I have XYZ update and I promised it to my client in a month. And then in that month, because I have unlimited PTO, I'm a nice, hip, sexy company. All my developers decide to take off. Yeah, that's why. It's not oh, unlimited. well, no, you have to manage it. You can only allow them to, oh, then it's not unlimited. Mm-mm. Right? So, so is this just a marketing term or do you actually believe in unlimited PTO? Like, can I get hired and then take 365 off? Yeah, why the hell not? It's unlimited. So that's why I think that's kind of stupid. But I think it's just a more of a marketing term. It's a tech thing that they started. Yeah. Yeah. Because your company does that now, right? Mm-hmm. You guys have unlimited PTO? Unlimited PTO. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are actually kind of taking advantage of it more so. And I think uh, it's funny. Um, there was kind of a uh, memo, I should say, that came across. During the holiday season, please make sure that all managers, 
uh, and you know people that re- you report to are aware of your holiday schedules. We do not want any overlapping holiday schedules. I was like, well, shit, overlapping is going to happen real quick around Christmas. Well, it's unlimited, though. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where it's kind of one of those things that says it's it's you're essentially trying to sell something and you're not actually wanting to fulfill on it. So here's another thing. Uh, Being that, you know, there is a service component to both of our companies, right? And we actually serve, you know, a similar clientele with bankers, right? Bankers, especially these community banks and credit unions, they love giving back to their fam, uh, their families. Well, yeah, but they love giving back to their communities, right? Always about community service. They love kind of that that work life balance. They they tout it all the time on social media, their website, etc. Best places to work, blah, all the stuff, right? Oh yeah. How many times have you gotten hit up by one of your clients at six o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock at night, <laughs> Saturdays, Sundays? Yeah, it, it's so funny. Because, you know, this four-day work week, oh, my gosh, I would love to partner with a like-minded organization and all oh, you guys that celebrate work-life balance. Until they have a problem, they don't give a shit if it's 8 p.m. or 8 a.m. They want that problem fixed. And that's what's kind of funny about being a service-based country econo- uh, economy is, you know, these four-day work weeks are cool until you have to live with the effects, live with the results of a four-day work week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What was I wrong? Have you never no. been hit up at 8 a.m. or 8 p.m.? Oh, oh no. The a.m. ones I get the most. I get a 6 a.m. You've never gotten an 8 p.m. now? <sighs> Mine are always in the morning. Mm. Mine are always early in the morning, East Coast. It's 6 a.m., 5 a.m. I get a phone call, literally waking up, and my phone is ringing, right? And I'm like, oh, it must be my alarm or something. And it's somebody <laughs> calling me from Tennessee. Somebody calling me from New York. And I'm like... And they're like, hey, I've called everybody. You're the only person that's answered. I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm the guy that's least likely to be able to help you right now. (laughs) 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 Right? That's what I'm like, okay, tell me what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'll figure out who can help. But I'm the person that's least likely to actually be able to um, technically help, right? Mm -hmm. But it's very frustrating because I'm the one that answers. And they've already done a uh, round robin of three or four other people. And everybody else, to your point, is not answering. And I'm like, I'm not going to leave this person out and dry, right? And and so 100%, it, you, the four-day work week sounds nice. And it also looks good on paper to your point of unlimited PTO. But what is the actual reality? Mm-hmm. Does it really mean four-day work week, but you're on call? Because on call can suck real fast. Especially if on call is two extra hours in the beginning and the end of every day. Especially on call is actually on Fridays. And Fridays now, all of a sudden, whoever's the most responsible answers the phone on Fridays. Now you're you're actually working 12 hours on Friday because no one else is answering. Right? And so I, I understand the workload essentially still has to be done. And this is actually one of the biggest problems. We'll get into our last year here. <clears throat> so Harvard Business Review. They said, hey. This is funny that you went to. Maybe you read a little bit of this, but um, they stated that the four-day work week sounds great, but there are two issues that need to happen for it to actually work. And I'm not gonna. I didn't go through some pros and cons yet, but I will get into those. Um, unfortunately, reducing work hours, so going from a forty-hour work week. To a 30 hour work, 32 hour work week does not necessarily reduce work. To your point, Jared, right? Mm-hmm. 
meaning that, hey, you're going to now do 40 hours of work in 42 hours. And in some jobs where there's cushion, yes. We just found out that there was a lot of cushion at Twitter. Mm, about 25% too much cushion. Yeah, right? So that means that you had a lot of excess. You had a lot of excess time and things like that. Now, some companies, especially smaller companies, are lean. Most people are doing 45 hours of work within 40 hours. There is no extra time in the day. So this whole reducing work hours doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be doing, you know, you're going to be doing the same amount of work just trying to figure out how to do it in 32 hours. That is a stressful environment. We're going to talk about that Japan study in a minute here because that's exactly what happened there in that Microsoft. Second thing is, is reducing hours should not increase work's intensity because worker fatigue increases, stress levels increase, output actually will go down even more. So what they meant in that is, I guess when they reviewed multiple studies, they essentially found in the New Zealand study, which is interesting. They said in the New, New Zealand four-day workweek pilot, they found that real work, uh, in their real work employees, uh, employees took shorter breaks, spent less time lingering to socialize in order to resume their measurable task. Things that we kind of talk about, right? Rapport building, talking about the weekend, sports games, things like that. Things to kind of meet with your people. They spent less time doing that. According to Wired, who is the magazine, some workers enjoyed the exhilarating and full-on pace. Others felt the urgency and pressure was causing heightened stress levels, leaving them in need of additional days off to recover from the work intensity and illness. Participants in this research bemoaned that there was no more time to banter and that creativity and innovation have been stifled. So, um, there's kind of two sides of the story, right? There's the side that sounds, it sounds nice on paper, to your point, the unlimited PTO, the four-day work week. But there's the side that, hey, unless you actually reduce the workload, there's going to be a, a cost to employee morale, at least in this, in, in what uh, Harvard Business Review is stating. What do you think about that? Make sense a little bit or <clears throat> rebuttal? You know, it's it's no rebuttal, and that's kind of boring. But it's funny because, you know, I, I, I was seeing how, you know, all these programs, you know, they were like, guys, this is not new information. You know, the reason why I said the 70s earlier is because I believe I'm, I'm trying to scroll, guys, and I'm, I'm just going to go off memory here because I don't want to. Oh, shit. I don't want to gap. But, yeah, it, it was something like. In 1974, the UK was trying to conserve energy, right? So they actually reduced their work day, I'm sorry, their work week from five days to three days. 40% reduction in work, work, work time. They only saw a 6% production. Productivity. I was like, damn, that's, that's pretty powerful. And they probably wouldn't be very manufacturing. And they only did that in the first two months of the year. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the bans lifted. And then I've seen companies they will do trials of like a year and again they will reduce it four days four day work week they will you know do four 10-hour shifts they will you know do all these things but what's so interesting to me is that end date and i understand if you want to measure it from 2008 to 2009 or 1974 yeah. the first quarter or whatever the case may be you know guys i'm just using these two data points but the end date it never said, oh, the company measured it from 2008 to nine, and they still do it today. Because again, as we were talking about earlier, these business owners, the, the, the top 
1% of the 80-20, right? Whatever the case may be, we're just... Mm-hmm. By us, by I don't, we really, neither one of us actually know the data point. Essentially, what we're just trying to say is like these are clearly the top performers of our society. They got that way, not because they just believe in just putting their nose to the grindstone and grinding twenty four seven. That is a case, but they also got that way because they're incredibly smart. They know how to pull levers. They play chess when everyone else is playing checkers with damn near every scenario. Yeah, so if you were able to crank out more productivity. Exactly. So you mean to tell me if you showed them a pass and, hey, guys, huh? this is really how you're more productive, they wouldn't do it? It's not most successful businesses. Unless you're destined for failure and plateauing year every year, you are looking for ways to innovate. You're looking for ways to get better. You are looking for ways to get one on your competition. If you're able to increase your productivity by fractions of a percent, they're going to look for ways to do it. So these these figures, this 40% increase in productivity and all this shit, like, is it short-lived? It's like, hey, Jared, Mr. Jared Starbucks, CEO. Yep. If you increase your caffeine by 10% and add sugar to your coffee, your customers will become addicted and want to come back every two times more. Yep. What are you going to do? I would increase my caffeine and sugar the next day or change the recipe. Exactly. So you're going to act on things that are going to increase profits or revenue, right? Especially at a low cost. And if you find out that you can take the exact same workforce and increase productivity by 20, 30, 40% in some of these studies, heck, why stop there? Maybe I do a two-day work week. Like you, you would almost want to... Where's the left boundary there? You, well, you're going to find it because you're just going to keep on going now that you find out that that is a <clears throat> so, left boundary. So just out of curiosity, Cody. So I, I'm actually, I, I probably say over the last, you know, 10, 11 months now, I bet I average 50 to 60 hours a week. Oh, wow. In the office. Oh, in the office. In the office. Okay. Is that counting lunch? Because I was confused because we work a nine hour day automatically no matter what. Very rarely over the last 10 months do I... Take a full lunch. I, I would say maybe twice a week I will actually take a lunch. Mm, I take a full lunch. Do you really? Oh, heck, I go golfing at lunch sometimes. That is true. I'm kind of Driving ranch, that. yeah. Um, yeah, I would say maybe twice a week I do. Um, I think you were going to ask me something. I'm sorry, I lost my train. Oh, yeah, yeah. So let's say... How, how many hours would you say on average you work? In the office? Yeah, probably 42, 43. 43. Yeah. I'm not as aggressive as you on that one. And guys, it's, I, I was, I was right there. If not probably less than Cody, um, just, just kind of things have shifted the last 10 months. But anyways, um, let's say tomorrow they say, Hey guys, four day work week. Yeah. Do you change anything? We kind of did at my office. What do you mean? Uh, Fridays are work from home. So I'm not saying it's a four-day work week, but they moved to Fridays as work from home. Now, I do understand that means that you work from home. But I think there's certain individuals that are definitely using it as a four-day work week. Um, you know, people that are leaving their laptops, you know, at the office. There are people that leave their laptops at the office. Yeah, and they're working from home on Fridays. You're lying. No. People that are, <laughs> people that are unreachable. People that don't join our daily stand-ups in the morning, um, which is just a, 15 minute phone call 
you know, just to kind of do a check-in with the entire team. Um, I think there are individuals definitely using it as a four-day work week. Um, and really, honestly, with unlimited PTO, you should be able to. Why not? Uh, I wouldn't personally. Like, I still go into the office on Fridays because I know that I'm not disciplined enough to work from home on a Friday. Um, I might work for four or five hours, but I'm not going to work for eight hours. I'm not going to work for nine hours um, from home on a Friday. Um, there's just too many enticing things at my home, right? One of them be my family. Like, why wouldn't I want to hang out with my family if one of them comes in my room? I get it. You know, maybe people are more disciplined than I am, but if one of my kids want to hang out with me for an hour and have them read me a book on the office floor, I'm doing that. Like, it's just so much more exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think I could do it. Now, if they said, hey, you know what? Um, we get it. Four-hour work week. We're trying to increase employee morale. We do think that there's going to be a productivity, you know, reduction, but we're going to hire the gap. Okay, cool. I'm good with that. Let's go ahead and do that. But I don't think any company would do that because you're essentially saying, hey, we're, we're all right with decreased profits. That's what that means. Okay. So essentially, guys, <clears throat> let me expand on what that means. Whenever you get the same amount of productivity, but it takes you more people to do it, that's what Cody's talking about is, is you just... You just willingly admit it saying, hey, I'm willing to make less as a company. Right? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but yeah. that's what's essentially what you're just saying. Yeah, exactly. Right? We're, we're already with decent creatures and products. Like, <clears throat> hey, we're going to uh, generate $1 million of income. Last year, we did it with five employees. This year, we're going to have to do it with six employees. That means that the profit and the potential for increased pay or increased benefits or anything is going down by about 5%. Actually, you know, about... 15%. That's not good um, for any type of company you're trying to go grow. And so I just don't think that would happen. Um, so, Because essentially, guys, what you're going to have to do, one of the more risky things you can do is starting your own business. Riskiest. I, I mean, fact, fact or fiction there. That, that, I think that's an irrefutable fact. One of the most risky things you can do is start your own business. Oh, yeah. So let me get straight. So you're going to say, all right, Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner or potential business owner. The new standard for living here in the U.S., you're going to still take this massive risk. But now I'm going to increase your overhead by 15% in order to get you an ROI that you could have got, you know, at, at a traditional more workforce. I mean, that's essentially what we're saying. Hey, guys, the whole reason why the risk and reward kind of works is because Usually the bigger the risk, the bigger reward. Now you're saying equal risk, only 85% of the reward, how many people are now willing to take that risk? I mean, is that a fair summation or no? Yeah, it's very similar to taxing, right? Um, the more you increase businesses, the less likely you're going to create entrepreneurs, the less likely you're going to create economic you know, impact or growth. And so same thing, right? The, the more risk or the more taxes that you place on business owners, the least likely you're least likely you're going to see, you know, growth in that whole market. And when you don't mm-hmm. see growth in the entrepreneurship or the business owner sector, mm-hmm. the entire economy suffers, mm-hmm. right? We want to see more Shark Tank good ideas. We want to see um, more uh, sole proprietorships. We want to see more LLCs that are hiring their very first employee. We don't want to see, you know, only the big corporations hiring people because that is when you start getting into a monopoly type of situation. You get into these 
um, what is it? An oligarchy or oligopy? An oligopy where you get these you two know, or three two that control, three the market. control the entire market. That's the last thing we like in America. We like to see a mom and pop store. We like to see local providers. Um, now that's one word I didn't expect to use in a while is oligopy. Oligopy. Um, I that, almost got it right. Well, I mean, hell, that's that's essentially what we have in like you know the phone sector. So you got T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T. Guys, that that's an old copy. Exactly. And really, are they really that much different? Is there that much competition? Nope. It feels pretty similar. Um, I, the one thing. So I know we've been kind of beating up here a little bit on the four day work week. I wanted a couple couple things I want to go through before we make our final decisions and solutions here. And we didn't get to it. What does the science say? about four-day work week. You know, what is it? You know, there's some studies that have been done uh, by Stanford and a couple of others, I think Pennsylvania um, University. So overworked employees are actually less productive than employees working on average or normal working week. Would you agree? So if you're overworked, do you think you're going to be compared to a, a non-overworked employee? Would you be less productive or more productive? Well, if I'm an overworked employee, I would be less productive. Okay. That's what I just, yeah, that's what I said. I just want to make sure we both yep. agree. So me and Jared, at a certain point, let's say I work 40 hours, Jared, you're at 60 hours, you may actually have, you may only be generating 34 hours of work. That's what I'm trying to say. Even though you're in the office, even though you're working for 60 hours, um, what happens is, is that you are not getting as much done for every hour after a certain point. There are uh, diminishing returns. After a certain point in time, we don't know what that is. That's that's kind of the the missing question, mm-hmm. but it's probably somewhere between let's say twenty and probably forty five hours. There is a diminishing return, yep. And then also there is a negative return at a certain point. So after a certain hour, you may actually be going back because of bad decisions that you're making, or possibly work that will need to be corrected later in the future. Mm-hmm. Interesting, right? To kind of think about. So in the Stanford study, one of the things that they looked at is they said, hey, you know what? Easiest thing to test, sleep deprivation. Because the more hours you work, the less sleep you're probably going to receive because there's a certain task that you still have to go. Grocery store, family time, things like that. So uh, sustained reduced sleep can have serious detrimental effects on cognitive and motor capabilities. The National Institute of Health, NIH, reports that a study performed by researchers at the University of Pennsylvania showed that subjects that went with only four to six hours of sleep for 14 consecutive days or more showed cognitive performance deficits equivalent to going entirely without sleep for three days. So if you sleep with minimal sleep, which we we know a couple of individuals that kind of tout their their short amount of sleep. It's it's comical. Okay, so let, let's say you're one of those people that say, oh, I only need five hours of sleep. Well... Five hours of sleep, you know, let's say you do that every single day for your life. Well, that means that you pretty much are sleeping. You're not getting any rest for three days in a row. And we all know if you don't get, if you don't sleep for 24 hours, you are like driving drunk the next day. Two hours, two days, mm-hmm. you That's pretty much. Irrefutable. Exactly. Two days is crazy. Three days, you start having actually uh, uh, hallucinations. Okay, so sleep deprivation. That that's interesting to think about, right, Jared? If you if you are want to, you know, have people that work more hours, I wonder how many people, you know, in a 40-day work week maybe have challenges with sleeping because they don't get enough time to sleep. I thought about that, okay. Another thing, stress stress and depression. 
So overwork can lead to increased stress, thus leading to possibly depression among workers. Decreases in spine, uh, uh, decreases in time spent on these activities have been strongly correlated to increasing uh, incidences of stress and depression. So uh, the activities were uh, personally devoted, personally um, exciting things. So things that you're like hobbies and stuff like that. So if as that decreases, you see an increase of stress and depression because you don't have an outlet for that. Work is not normally an outlet for those type of things. So like for me, like I enjoy doing house projects. I enjoy, you know, building things. Um, when I do that, Honestly, everything for the last, you know, 10 days erases for me, right? Things like that. Uh, stress and depressed workers tend to both be less motivational, thus less innovational, and perform less job function or l- perform less in their job, uh, standard job functions, and less able to perform any of them. So kind of interesting there to say, okay, if you have a stressed employee or a depressed employee, expect lesser than standard results. Okay, well, shit, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Last thing. Necessary task and recreation. So overworked employees often have very little time outside of work. So you can imagine, let's say you're one of those workers that stays till six, maybe seven o'clock at night, mm-hmm. right? You show up at the office around eight or nine and then you t- stay till seven. Well, theoretically, there's probably only about an hour or two to get home. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to go to the grocery store. Shit. Okay, you go to the grocery store. Maybe you got to stop and grab gas. Uh, maybe you got to run an errand. Go make a return at Target or something like that. Well, really, you don't have much time to do that. So most times what's happening is you're pushing that off to the weekends. So the number of hours that uh, you essentially go into work goes up. It becomes increasingly infeasible to perform these additional standard tasks outside of work. As a result, employees often attempt to fit attempt to fit these activities into their extended work hours, doing it during extended lunch hours, taking uh, uh, breaks during running errands, leaving sporadically during the day, and spending exterior times of time working uh, and performing necessary tasks over the phone or the internet wall during work hours. Those hours are usually the most impacted, right? Because if you're doing those errands during eight to five, they're probably, let's say, worth two hours of work time, where if you were to do that errand Outside of work hours, it might be only 30 minutes because there's a compounding effect because during work hours, of course, there's some relevancy of time. You want to get back to a customer in a certain period of time. So those are three things that Stanford says are negative to working extra hours a week. They're saying, hey, these these are actually kind of important. What do you think about those? <clears throat> no, I would agree with all of them, actually. Um what do you mean about the stress one? Do you think do you think people that are extra stressed, do you think they result in less productivity? No, I think, yeah. It's one of those things where I want to come up with something insightful and, and something to add, but I, I can't refute that. Yeah, of course I agree with that. Yeah, so I was kind of thinking about right? this. Right? I mean, you, okay, so there's a word that I was coming across, burnout. Mm-hmm. I, personally, maybe I have gotten burnout. I don't know. I I work a lot. Like, I, you know, people, you know, usually commend me on my work effort. And I just think I'm working like a normal amount, to be honest. Like, I don't think I'm working like above. And the reason is because I don't feel like I've ever been burnt out. And and what do you think about, have you ever felt like you've got burnout from your job now or your job previously? Do you, What do you think about this whole burnout thing? Dude, I, I have a hard time with it, actually. Because it, it's crazy to me that doing 
It's crazy to me that meeting expectations is is grounds for burnout, if you will. And that's what I actually get kind of pissed about is there are certain people out there that, I don't know, there's, I'm not saying work-life balance isn't important. Don't get me wrong. Britt and I have fun. I mean, right? You know, we, we go on yeah. you know vacations. We'll, we'll take a day or two off. You know, we'll, do the work hard, play hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know how much more rewarding it is to go to fucking Cancun on a whim with some friends because they invited you at a dinner? Yeah. Whenever I worked my ass off to be able to do that. Yeah. Like, it's so much more fun. No, if it's just kind of handed to you, like, let's say I just kind of mosey on and I, I quiet quit. That's, that's kind of the, the new fun term, I guess, now. I quiet quit and then I go to Cancun. It's not as rewarding. It's no different than that kid. Whenever your keys just get handed to you to a truck versus the kid that had to maybe ride their bike to a part-time job and make enough money for that first down payment. Nine times out of 10, that truck that was earned via riding the bike to earn, to, to get it is going to be a hell of a lot cleaner than those keys that were handed to you. 100%. Oh, yeah. Right. And that's how I'm kind of viewing this. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong, guys. Maybe I am. No, it's interesting. The burnout thing is funny because I do think there are some legitimate people out there that probably get burnout. They maybe don't know how to time manage properly. They maybe don't say no enough. They're just too nice. Right, so I'm, I'm not trying to say it's an overall pass. I just think some people are very bad at either time management, right? Or they don't say no. Like, hey, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. Like, <laughs> I already have a lot on my plate right now, and I'm, that's not me. I think that's something that some people are bad at doing. Um, and I do think, because the one thing I want to fight you a little bit about is you said just meet expectations. Well, unfortunately, there are some people out there. There are some, some bosses, some managers, some leaders that have high expectations, which I like. I think that's great. But as we talked about in our last episode, you got to remember we're all riding the bus and not everybody is an A and a B. Not everybody's a runner. Not everybody is a jogger. So expectations are unfortunately are, are very individual, right? So if you have a team of say 10 people and you have an expectation, is that expectation the exact same for every single person on that team. Now, that would be fair, but unfortunately, the world does not work that way. We have runners, we have joggers, we have walkers, we have sitters. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it's like, okay, well, shit, I got this guy that I need him on the team, but he is not going to perform at the same level. Now, if I put an expectation in him, on him that's the same as a runner, the runner is going to do it, and he will never burn out. But my sitter or my walker, he may burn out, and he's going to quit. He's going to quiet quit. He's going to be ill often. And so that's where I'm kind of thinking about the burnout thing. I think it's real. I think it's getting, I think it's overused by the newer generations because I think they're not really used to hard labor work. Millennials and Gen Z, our generation, I think they have been unfortunately dealt a very nice hand from their parents and their grandparents. So the word burnout is something like, burnout existed probably in the 1940s and 50s. Mm -hmm. That was when we were working 60, 70 hours and you're like, okay, guys, I'm fucking done. Like, okay, I got to burn out. I'm coming home and having a drink after night. Nowadays, 
40 hours of work, we, uh, 40 hours of work seems more like, and we saw this on Twitter and, uh, TikTok and all this shit from Twitter. These employees are, you know, grabbing three different coffees, having brunch, sitting on, you know, the rooftop, uh, reading a book. How some are having two jobs. Exactly. <clears throat> so burnout, I think is a little bit different to your point. There are employees that do get it, but I think it's less likely than, than is likely at this point. What do you think about that? No, yeah, I agree with that, man. There are some people that work hard, man. There are. And they no, probably the, are burnout. I, I don't know, man. I, I guess I just have a hard time with the with the with the word burnout. I mean You ever meet somebody and you're like, dude, just go take a vacation. You'll probably be a whole new person here on your way back. That would be the person that I'd say that has burnout. Like, hey, go away for a week, come back, and all of a sudden you'll have a whole year of productivity from that person. Dude, you know what I gotta say to that person? Fuck a vacation, quit. If you need yeah. that much of a break to your job, clearly yeah. you don't like it. Dude, I, maybe I'm bad at this, but I do a horrible job of work-life balance, I guess, maybe then. It, 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 according to the definition. Because when I was in Cancun, there were a couple emails I responded to. Hell, I probably planned the damn trip to Cancun, the flights at least, while I was at the office. Like, I don't know. I just mix a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. I, I like what I do. I, I actually seek enjoyment. I get fulfillment. I like what I do. So, therefore, yes, I do bust my ass. But also, I don't feel like I, I oh, my gosh. Is it Friday already? I need a break. Like, that's not my style, man. I Rather than the vacation, I don't think a week vacation is just going to be like, boom, I'm completely reset. I'm completely refreshed. I think they actually need a different job. It's funny, you know, I, I'm trying to sell you on this. I don't know why, because I'm probably, probably on the same page as you. Like, I don't like, like the whole look until Friday thing or like we're getting money. Like, I'm like, hey, it's money. Let's go. You right? know, you know how shitty of a life that is? Yeah, I don't do that. I don't look, I don't look for Friday. Like, I'm excited to go do other things. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, but, I love my Saturdays yeah, and Sundays. I like, like that's fun. Things up, right? But it's not like Sunday. I'm like, oh my God, I'm dreading Monday. I'm like. It's, it's Monday. Let's go to back to work. Let's, yeah. Um, like, uh, it gets me back in my routine. I like having routines. Now, guys, uh, this is the problem. I am, I'm trying to make sure that I'm painting a broad brush. Not every personality is the same. We're both similar personalities, so it's kind of easier for us to kind of say, oh, this is our bubble. Okay. We can start wrapping this thing up, though, because yep. we are already a little over. All right. You're king for a day. Yeah. King for a day. No more stats. King for a day. What yeah. do you do? You are president and CEO of Cody Willis Corporation. What do you do? I'm all right if you do a four-day work week and you do the same productivity. So I don't care about how many hours you work. My locks, my locksmith analogy is perfect, I think. I think if you're able to... Like, I don't think that locksmith should be paid one-tenth the percentage. I think this whole salary bullshit kind of messed everything up for the hourly worker, right? I think it's it's kind of almost unfair for two reasons. The person that works on an hourly job now feels that they need to just fill out 40 hours of work, right? Because, you know, they're not going to be more productive. There's no there's no incentive to be more productive, right? If they're a full-time hourly productive, there's not really like a... Now, there are some bonus goals and things like that that they try to do in manufacturing. But for the majority of Americans that are on a salary, there's not really like a reason like, oh, you still have to do eight to five. Well, if I can be 
twice as productive as everybody else around me because I actually don't do all the bullshit, you know, water cooler talk and all of that. Why am I not heading home on Wednesday half day and I'm done, guys? So I, I actually am fine with salary employees actually being salary employees, meaning that there's not a goal of hours. Okay, so four-day work week, you don't care if they're in there two hours a day, zero hours a day, eight hours a day, ten hours a day. Hit your goal. Whatever that goal is. Now, so yeah, go on. I understand that from a sales mentality. Mm-hmm. What about accounting? What about What's your job? Marketing. What'd you get hired for? So I think what happened is we got a little loose with the uh, responsibilities with salary employees. We kind of said, oh, you're a little broader strokes. You're responsible for kind of, there's a little wishy-washy. Where hourly employees, a lot of them are unfortunately, you know, we talked about this last week, they're, they're union-based. And so the responsibilities are very, very distinctive. You hit a hammer, you hit this nail with a hammer right here, and then you weld this part right here, and then you pass it to the next guy. Right, and you do that for four hours, you do that for six hours, you clock in and out. Unfortunately, with salary employees, it's kind of like, hey, you know what? Today you're doing this, and tomorrow you might have to kind of fix, you know, fill in fill in for other people, which I don't mind. I, I like doing that kind of stuff. I like, you know, having a, a difference in my day. But what happens is that your role expands, more hours, and you get kind of pushed into multiple roles. I, I'm all right with all of that, but, like, if I have a goal and I hit my goal, whatever that is, I'm an accounting Make sure end of month is closed by December, you know, December 30th. Cool. Make sure that's done. That's your goal. Does it take 40 hours a week or does it take 20 hours a week? I think that's good for everybody. What do you think about that? So I like it in theory, but here's, here's my push. And this is what I think happens. Let's say you got that A player, right? You got that Cody Willis of accounting that they can close it out. Hell, you want to close by December 30th? You got to close it December 20th. <laughs> it's not even possible he's doing it. Fuck it. I, I, my forecasting and projecting is so good. Right? You know, uh, I got you know you. give me a little lean to yeah, this I example because I, I think in principle you're going to agree with that. Yeah. So if I'm a business owner, <laughs> did I get in goal? I'm sorry. Did I get in business just for you to meet your goal? Or do I get in business to find that diamond in the rough, to hire that accountant, to train him on or him or her on the necessary practices and understandings of my business to where, okay, I understand I I broke even on him on December 20th, but now on December 31st, I need him to ramp up because that is extra 10, 11 days. That's where I get my productivity. That's where I get my extra productivity, right? And, and let me expand on that a little bit. Do business owners hire all 100 people to just perform their job or do business people hire hundred people to know that the top 20 of those hundred are probably going to carry the rest of the team. So if all of a sudden you get your top 20 percenters only doing their job and essentially checking out on December 20th, mm-hmm. that's where I'm, I'm, I'm borderline hesitant to be okay with your plan. So your top 20 won't check out. That's why they're part of the top 20. Mm-hmm. Your top 20 won't check out, right? So you you have runners and your runners, you know, the top 20% of them, those are your, you know, guys that are just going to, guys and gals that are just going to work 40 hours because they want to. They're going to show up in the office because they want to, right? They're going to help people. And it's not part of their role because they want to, right? Because they, they feel like, hey, you know what? It's part of my job to make sure that the entire company moves forward. 
They're going to do that for, you know, again, maybe it's 30 hours, 40 hours, 50 hours. They don't care. They're just going to do it. I'm not really worried with them um, as much because once I hire them, I already know I have a superstar. Now, I don't want to penalize them either. If they want to, you know, they hit their quota, they hit their end of month, they hit their projects, they closed them all out. 20 hours this week, I guess. So I'm not going to penalize them. Um, but uh, the joggers and the runners, if you actually can hit those numbers, you can hit whatever it is in the middle of the week. Now, I'm just using a 40-hour work week here, example here. But if you can do everything in you know 32 hours, more power to you. You're turning into a, a top performer at this point. Now, now you can see the path to get to the next person. So I, I, I just kind of say is like, as long as there's no productivity loss, like as, as long as you're doing the job I hired you for. Now, what it probably takes, unfortunately, which is probably the hardest part of the whole thing in my world, is probably really good leaders to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of motivational leaders. There's a lot of um, charismatic leaders. There's a lot of all different types of leaders. Unfortunately, probably the one that is the hardest to be is an accountable leader, a leader that can hold their team accountable in the in the right type of way where it doesn't feel like a manager. Because unfortunately, what accountable leaders turn into are just really good manager people that just like check boxes. You don't want to be that person because per- yeah. So accountable leaders suck. It's the hardest person to find. So that's probably why my thing doesn't work is because you have to find a leader that says, "Hey, you know what? Damn, dude." It's Wednesday. You made, you did everything you needed, dude. You got four five day work week or five day weekend. How cool is that? And and those type of leaders don't want to do that. They're like, hey, I want to cram. You know, unfortunately, accountable leaders turn into managers real quick. They're like, hey, you get two more days. I can get more money out of you. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, what you're probably doing to that employee is you're probably making them say, oh, next week I'm going to give you less. Yep, it sucks because there's no benefit to that person. No, it's like, well, shit. <laughs> but if I told that employee, hey, dude, go. Next week, they may actually stay and say, you know what? I'm going to do a little harder this week because I want to make more money. I want to get that promotion. Right? Mm-hmm. You get, if, As an accountable leader, you're going to show them a pathway for more success. Not that, hey, you didn't work hard. You worked hard enough. I want you to work harder for no reason. Right? Yep. So, anyways, that's kind of my two cents. Do you have any <clears throat> other? Any, yeah, I'm king for a day, man. Yeah, what are you doing? Um, Four day work week. 40-hour work week? 40-hour work week. 40-hour work week. So um, how you want. If you want to take off Wednesday and you want to work, you know, your 10 hours, I don't care. So I, I do like that because, unfortunately, I can't build a business off of everyone being a runner. Or, hell, everyone being a jogger. So I still have to have that structure, that, that check-in-the-box mentality, if you will. Give me 40 hours. If I put you on the right incentive plan and, and, you know, payment structure to where those 40 hours, if you're more productive, I want to pay you more because I want to pay you what you're worth. Yeah. But all, all I want is 40 hours. That's all I want. Um, so I'm okay with, if you want to do four tens, great. If you want to do five, five eights, great. If you want to do six, six, six and, and a half, <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. right? Um, I'm okay. Give me 40 hours a week. Break it up because you're a freaking adult. Now, I will because I want to be respondent to my customer and timely to my customer. I will only, I will put parameters only up to 50% can take Fridays and only up to 50% can take Mondays because I feel like those would be probably the most popular days. No one's going to take a freaking Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I would assume. Um, but the expectation would be, hey, that's when you do all your freaking 
dental appointments and doctor's appointments and all that bullshit. Yeah, and also you're probably not, hey, don't work during like 9 to like 3 a.m. Uh-uh. Like, no, no, so actually, actually, it's funny because I'm actually thinking about instituting this for uh, for the own team, for my own team. I want core hours. I want from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Those are the core hours, right? So everyone is going to be in the office there. Now, let's say you cover the East Coast. You want to come in, you know, at like six, mm-hmm. six or seven. Cool. Then you leave at three. Hey, you cover the West Coast. You want to come in at like, you know, nine. Yeah. Okay. Then you leave at six or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so I am mean, trying to establish core hours. So that would be very similar to where internal meetings, things like because that. Because for a team mentality, you know, freaking weird or how difficult to be connect with a team member that worked 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. Like, come on. Right. That's kind of stupid. Well, you're not connecting with your customers for sure. No, no. Now you're talking about sales mentality, project managers even. How the hell can you reasonably manage your your project? If no one is working. Everything's going to be 24 hours later. Exactly. Everything is so reactive at that point. Yeah. Or unless you're just the ultimate communicator, which let's face it, that's less than 5%. But if I'm getting for a day, I still like the 40 hour standard today. Mm -hmm. I just want to be a little bit more flexible on how it's, uh, how it's done, whether it's four tens, Oh, if you're really ambitious, three thirteens. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You know, I, I think I'm close to you, but I for whatever reason during our conversation today, I started thinking more and more. Like, you know what? Do I really care? Because I think that mentality, unfortunately, it penalizes your top performers and rewards your bottom performers. I understand, but yeah. Cody, that's why I prefaced it with: I can't assume if I have a hundred person company, there's not a chance in hell I have more than twenty runners. Not a chance. So what I'm trying to do, and this sucks, but this is just, unfortunately, whenever you get big, this is what you have to take into account mm-hmm. is you have to take into account those sitters and there's walkers, right? So if I can raise my sitters and walkers to at least put a little shoulder bob jog, little shoulder bob jog and walk, then maybe overall as a company I've risen because runners are runners. I don't care if they're selling widgets, if they're building couches, whatever the hell they're doing. Runners are going to be runners with all things in life. You know, very similar to Simon Sinek, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know. Maybe I read this quote today, and I'm wondering, it's in the back of my mind this entire time, and I'm wondering if it's affecting my mentality just because I read one quote, which, you know, it's funny. You know, sometimes quotes stick with Dude, you. Dude, they can stick, yeah. Sometimes uh, that they How you do everything is how you do anything is stuck with me for yeah. 15 sometimes years. Sometimes quotes can stick with you, and it was weird. This quote is very relevant to this conversation. It says... Um, you know, I don't remember this is, I read it for the very first time. It was on LinkedIn today and somebody posted it that I actually respect quite a bit. And they said, leaders that lead don't treat everybody equal. Hmm. I like that. They use each person's, I think there was a second part here. They, they cause it was like well, first part. It said leaders that lead don't treat everybody equal. And then the second part, it said they understand each individual's contributions. And the idea there was, and maybe this is why I'm kind of using it, is that they, you know, a leader that's running something, they're like, yeah, I know that you're doing this for me, so I'm going to treat you differently. And maybe that's where I'm kind of, and it could be misleading my entire thought process here, but I'm thinking, man, you know what? That's something that maybe... Maybe I, there's no way to do this, but hey, you know what? You're new. Sorry, man. You're doing 60 hours a week. There's no way I want you. I want to pay you for 40 hours a week. 
you got to get up to 60 hours because you're not even going to contribute 40 hours a week. And then people that have been there for, so, they're on autopilot. And I, and I, you know, I, I, I know that if I need them on a Saturday morning to do something, they're going to be there. But I'm paying them very similar amounts. I don't care if you're here on a Tuesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of one of those things, you know? So I don't know. No, I, I like that. I mean, I think it is lazy leadership personally to, to treat everyone the same. It is much easier, but it's so hard to manage at scale. And that's why, that's why manage I is the word. I intentionally There's use the word a hundred people. Yeah. If in order for you to effectively lead a hundred people, you're out of your fucking mind. If you think you can, you're wrong. I'd love to have a conversation with you. You're managing. You're managing right. at a certain point. Okay, dude. Good, good one. I think this is a good conversation. I thought Four this was a four-day work week. Who knew, right? Yeah, I thought this was a great conversation. Cool, guys. Really appreciate you guys all uh, listening in today. Go find us on Instagram. Send us some DMs for some new ideas. We're heading into the holiday season. Maybe there's something about the holidays maybe we're not talking about. Maybe we should talk about some about Thanksgiving. Oh, there we go. We probably should talk about, uh, is it politically correct to maybe do you know Thanksgiving? I think a lot of people have been kind of thinking about Thanksgiving is possibly not a, um, you know, um, I don't know the right word to say, politically correct type of holiday, um, basis on its history. Maybe we talk about something like that. Maybe we talk about Christmas. Maybe we talk about the different types of um, winter holidays like Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, things like that. I would love to do a little bit of like, hey, which which one should be our U.S. holiday? Should we have multiple? Um, send us a DM. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, also, would love for you guys to send in a rating on any of your guys' wherever you're listening, Apple oh, Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon, any of them. Shoot us a rating on there. Love to see if you guys stamp us five stars for listening. See you guys. Thanks, guys.